You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Hi, I'm Lauren Smith, Education Editor at Campus Review. Today I spoke to Don Scott Chemis, an Innovation Management and Policy Consultant, about a new report he wrote for the NCVER called The Role of Vet in the Entrepreneurial Ecosystem. What prompted you to do the research on the role of VET in the entrepreneurial ecosystem? There were two um, issues really that stimulated me to to focus on on this issue. One one is that um, I've been interested in this issue of entrepreneurial ecosystems for some time. Um, I uh, used to do some teaching at ANU in the area of entrepreneurship. but uh, it seemed to me that one very important issue about uh, entrepreneurial ecosystems wasn't really being picked up, and, and that was uh, the, the extent to which, uh, well, really the key role of experienced entrepreneurs in feeding back their experience back into providing advice to novice entrepreneurs. And uh, that was really important, and, and um, uh, it seemed to me that there's a kind of a, uh, an, an exponential process or a takeoff process in these um, ecosystems. So anyway, I, I, I uh, was really looking for an opportunity to get a bit more deeply involved in that issue. The other reason is that um, a couple of years ago, I did um, a couple of projects, studies on the growth of the suppliers to the mining industry in Australia, which is quite an extraordinary story and, and not very well understood or appreciated. We, we export more mining services and equipment than we do automotive components and wine put together, for example. But the visibility is very low. Now, m- m- there, are, there are hundreds of hundreds of small companies that have been created providing services and equipment into the mining industry which is far, far more knowledge intensive and innovation active than most people realize. Anyway, the majority of these small companies were started with pe- by people with VET backgrounds. Very, very few of them are spin-offs from universities. Uh, they're, they're created on the coalface, so to speak, <laughs> excuse the pun, um, uh, you know, by people with much more VET-type skills. So I wanted to find out whether that was generally true, particularly in a more research-intensive place like the ACT. And you looked at how entrepreneurialism is taught in international VET contexts because you noted that there's limited research of the Australian market. What did you find about that international market? Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's important uh, question. I mean, I think that... Um, uh, and I don't know if you were intending to, to come at this with a question uh, a bit later, but it's probably useful at this point to, uh, m- uh, to to really note that there's two issues here. And they do get a little bit tangled up, but, but uh, one issue is about enterprise skills and the other is really about entrepreneurship skills and knowledge. Um, and the enterprise skills issue is probably, it's got a longer history. Um, and is more generally accepted than than the, the than the entrepreneurship skills. So it might be helpful if I just talked a little bit about those issues at this point as a background to addressing the question that you've asked. Do you, do you mind if I do that? Please do that. 
not, not, okay. Well, I mean, the evidence is very persuasive, I think, that um, uh, change within organisations uh, is affecting the nature of skills that those organisations require. And that's true across the board in every, every type of organisation, whether it's public sector or, you know, uh, trades or, 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 or the bank or whatever the case may be. And uh, th that change uh, that's happening in organisations is because change itself is more frequent, it's probably more complex. Uh, the sort of business environment uh, is more demanding, customers are more demanding, more complex relationships with suppliers, uh, and um, probably faster change in products and services and in the inputs to those products and services. So. Every survey I've seen uh, for many years, um, and, and I used to teach into an MBA program, a couple of MBA programs, so I've looked at the evidence for this, uh, is that managers are saying, we want staff who've got enterprise skills. They're more creative, they're more flexible, they work in teams, they take responsibility, they think in the big picture. We cannot get enough of them. And this is almost universal. So. This is enterprise skills, and so um, um, the, 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 so there's a, a question about how do you develop those skills and competencies in people. And and I think you know the education system in Australia and elsewhere is becoming more tuned to that. I don't know, you know, how Australia compares in detail with 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 the overseas, but there's absolutely. Um, across the OECD, certainly across the European, across Europe, this issue is absolutely taken on board uh, from kindergarten to, to postgraduate. Uh, how well it's taken on board is another matter, but it, it's absolutely ingrained in the system. The other issue is that uh, turbulence in the economy is increasing. Um, and. You know, we, we all know that many, many industries go through a cycle of lots and lots of firms start, they become more concentrated, you know, so, and, and m most firms that start either are bought out or die, and the, the fewer larger firms survive. Now, that process is getting faster, uh, and, which means that the, 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 the death rate of firms is rising, so the birth rate needs to rise as well. And so entrepreneurship, in a sense of, forming a company or being a part of the team that forms a company is a real career option for more people. And perhaps even in many areas, a career necessity for, for more people. So, um, but not everybody. Uh, and so the option of being an entrepreneur is real. Again, right across the economy in everything you can think of. And so, um, uh, Entrepreneurship skills, which is the, the competencies and skills and attitudes to form a company, as distinct from enterprise skills, entrepreneurship skills are becoming more important. Um, and the evidence uh, for that, I think, is, is, uh, is fairly persuasive as well. Though the rate of new firm formation in many economies has declined a little bit post-growth, the, 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 um, uh, the, the global financial crisis. So, yes, if I can address your question. So now we see, in, particularly in Europe, but also in North America, uh, Canada and the US, we see more v 
vet organisations seriously asking the question, what competencies should we be developing in our graduates? Um, and then the more difficult question of how do we do that? So yes, so what, what, I, what I see when I look is that there's much bigger discussion, uh, particularly in Europe, about that issue. What competencies should we be developing and how do we do it? And uh, more, I call them really experiments at various levels to try things uh, and, uh, and, and see what works. So this is kind of a random question, but I was thinking, are many vet graduates kinds of entrepreneurs by default as they start their own businesses in plumbing, for example? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how does that differ to... That's a, no, that's, that's a really important question, actually. Um, uh, and uh, again, um, it, it's worth making a distinction here. Really, the majority of new firms are Me Too's. You know, it's entrepreneurship by necessity. So, you know, the hairdresser, the coffee shop, uh, the plumber, the painter, the plasterer, uh, you know, the, the panel beater and so on. Most, most of those new firms are replicative. You know, in, in other words, they're using a well-established business model. Uh, and it's just a question of how many can you have in one area? And, and there's very little, very modest differentiation um, in the product or service. Uh, and it's, it's essentially the same business model. So, yes, I mean, that, that's, that's, uh, that's normal for many, many trades. And uh, some of the basic issues involved in that uh, are already included, of course, in, in, um, in VET courses. Um, and, uh, and, and that's appropriate and, and should continue to be the case. What we, what we see, though, is in, an increasing uh, extent to which being able to change the business model to be more successful is becoming more important. Um, and that may not be something that you actually need to do at the outset. It may be something that either you need to do or you choose to do later. I mean, many entrepreneurial acts, you know, uh, call them entrepreneurship, are actually when existing firms change tack. So they're not really forming a firm, but they're seriously changing the way they do things uh, and, and differentiating themselves and, you know, growing and maybe heading into another city or, you know, maybe even uh, you know, go, going, uh, going overseas. Um, so an existing firm can give birth to a new trajectory. So uh, the, the question you're asking is, is important. M you know, many, many vet people will form a company um, and they're an important part of the economy. But most of it is very low risk standard sort of replication. So you've spoken about, um, for want of a better word, disruption in the economy generally. Can you give some examples as to how you think this will apply to the vet sector? Well, I mean, one, uh, one very strong example, um, one of the things that, that I found in, in, um, in the ACT, um, which has become a pretty dynamic region, um, the, the, one of, well, the majority of the recent startups that involve 
uh, people with a vet background in the ACT is in the games sector. And uh, so one of the, uh, it's a, a, a company that teachers have, have courses um, uh, on, uh, on, on game design, you know, digital games, um, uh, has actually formed an incubator uh, and has uh, produced, you know, several several companies, several small companies. So there, there's a sector where, and this would be true of of, uh, of, of some of the software areas as well. Uh, is there's an area where uh, they're right on the frontier of um, of uh, of entrepreneurship, that uh, the skills they're teaching. Uh, uh, enable people to uh, uh, you quickly go into what is immediately a global marketplace. Now, obviously, if you're a plumber or a painter, you're not working in the global marketplace. But these, the, in, in areas of IT, they are. Um, and uh, so they're right on the edge. So that's one obvious area. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be different across the range of vet skills how easy competencies flip into or can be applied into a commercial venture in, in the marketplace, and particularly the extent to which they, they could be global. But there's one, there's one example um, of, uh, of, of where they're, they're very, uh, very close to the edge. Um, I, I mean, of course, another would be, you know, uh, uh, chefs and restaurants. I mean, they, they, there's clearly enormous growth um, in uh, in that area and uh, scope for thinking quite in quite new ways about the offering uh, that could be successful and you know we've seen a number of cases where um, a restaurant or or a, or a food service idea uh, leads into or, or could be could lead into franchise type arrangements and into a global company um, I mean another area would I mean, another area of growth in Australia is is tourism and ecotourism. Um, th these are these can be vet competencies uh, with huge opportunities uh, to you know, think about a new a new business concept in this uh, in this area. So staying in the ACT, I think you found that only twenty percent of startups had a founder with vet qualifications or a founding team member with vet qualifications. Is this proportionate to the amount of people with those qualifications compared to university graduates? Um, okay, interesting question. Um, I, I actually don't know the answer to that, but my guess would be, um, uh, my, my guess would be that it, it was uh, it was underrepresented. So, I mean, the reality I, the reality I found in the ACT was there's really very few people with uh, with with uh, a vet background who are getting involved in the kinds of ventures I was focusing on. And I emphasise, I was very much focusing on new ventures that are um, the, the, the differentiation I had was that they're scalable. And, and, and that is, you know, that they, they have the potential to grow into a large company. Um, so they're not me to, you know, simple replicative companies. They're companies with growth potential, strong growth potential. So, um, I mean, the, the, vet, uh, the majority of the 
the great majority of the companies started were people with tertiary background, a, a, high, a university background. Um, though very few were spin-offs from university. Um, there is, I think, um, an unrealistic perspective that the majority of startups in Australia are spin-offs from university or from research, which is not true. But anyway, so no, I think that they're, they're underrepresented. So I understand that you formulated some policy recommendations as a result of this research. Can you explain what these are? Yeah, I, I, uh, I will. Let me just make one comment as a preface to that. If I try to make sense of what we see in, uh, in Europe and North America and think about the application of that to Australia, um, I'm very aware that the structure of the VET system differs from country to country. Um, so if we look at the VET system in Canada, for example, and this, this, is, this is certainly true in much of Europe, um, it's, uh, it includes much more applied research. So uh, some of the sort of professional courses that these days are kind of in universities um, are included in some countries in the VET system. So the VET system um, in many countries goes more upstream than it does in Australia. I mean, m my impression is well, the Dawkins reforms really created a big gulf between universities and the, most universities in the VET system. Um, and kind of pushed the VET system uh, uh, down uh, in terms of the, the range of of, um, uh, of uh, competencies and learning that it covers. So, um, in many countries, the VET system includes the kinds of courses that we would have in, in some of the kinds of courses we would have in universities. So, that's the first thing to, to, to differentiate. So, um, uh, the, so, so, given that, I think that the, the, there's... Um, Several important things for Australia. I mean, the first the first thing is we uh, we, we need to have a, a serious strategy about this. You know, ask this question: What competencies should we be developing uh, in uh, in in graduates? And and uh, have a serious assessment of this issue, looking at experience from from other countries, looking at uh, what uh, what companies in Australia are saying uh, about uh, the competencies uh, that they need. Um, uh, we have the opportunity now to draw on this international experience. So first and foremost is, is, a, is a serious strategy uh, for, for how we do this in the VET system. Given the consequences of prior policy, that is the, the, you know, the long ago Dawkins reforms, and more recently the much more market contestability with really a fragmentation of the VET system, this will be complex. No, no question about that. But nevertheless, the first thing is we we serious we we need um, uh, to have a have a have a serious strategy and uh, almost certainly, as they have in Europe, to uh, approach some of the some of these issues somewhat experimentally, uh, to 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 uh, start initiatives and and I'll, I'm very interested indeed to see what is the initiative in New South Wales to start initiatives um, and and, uh, and and learn about uh, how we do this. Then I think there's there's these understanding these two types of 
skill requirement. Uh, the uh, um, enterprise skills and entrepreneurship skills. And there's no question about the importance of enterprise skills and the need to really get on with it. And to some extent that's happening. No, not enough, but it's, but it's beginning to happen. When it turns more to the entrepreneurship skills, uh, I, I, I'm not really suggesting that that has to be a, you know, an important part of the curriculum in all, in all VET courses. I, I think probably for many young people, it's more about the perspective and the attitude to realise this is a serious career option for them, rather than to try and load up with all the skills about how you, how you um, uh, create a company that would be, in, for the majority of students, sort of water off a duck's back. But the VET system does need to get closer to the, the entrepreneurship world and begin much more strongly to participate in regional uh, uh, entrepreneurship ecosystems and indeed innovation ecosystems um, so that they are part of that world and indeed they encourage their students to see that world and think about what its relevance might be uh, for, uh, for them. Uh, and uh, Australia is, you know, entering a period of much more turbulence uh, and we need to get on with this. Is there anything additional that you would like to quickly cover? The VET system is not in a strong position at the moment. I mean, it's been, it's been really neglected by policy for, for quite some time and yet it's uh, a key for Australia. Uh, and so Putting more resources into, getting more strategic direction into, into the VET system uh, is vitally important. Okay, well, thank you so much for speaking with me. It's a pleasure, Lauren.